with my son, it's 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 like one of those things that it's like um, in a moment's notice. There was like there's nothing to prepare for. He was perfectly healthy one day, and he had a uh, a slight little slip and fall. We were coming back from jujitsu, landed on his bottom. Nothing even to even really remotely like put in the back of your head and note it. But then he was walking on the beach and he was complaining to my wife about his legs. And then that night he woke up in excruciating pain. And from that day, he couldn't walk. And it was just like super healthy to what's going on. And still like no physical sign where you'd think anything would really be wrong except for this new pain. And long story short, after a bunch of misdiagnoses, just because of Occam's razor, trying to go with the simplest answer from synovitis to this and that, he got a preliminary uh, diagnosis about three weeks in of coming in and out of the ER room with uh, stage four neuroblastoma, uh, 85% of his bone marrow metastasized. So it was high risk. Um, they have like an XY matrix to consider high risk. He was high risk. And at the time I had just resigned from a 15 year career and I was transitioning to the corporate world as a director for the surf pools. So my insurance hadn't kicked in yet from my old to my new. So. I left my job February 15th, no insurance, just Cobra, waiting, 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 getting denied to go into Sloan. And then just by the grace of God and last minute heroics, we were able to switch my wife off one insurance, get him on my new insurance, and then get on a plane basically a day later to Sloan, April 4th. And we landed at JFK and then four boxes, shut down our house and just left Hawaii after 20 years. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not going to be 100% in, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. Just be yourself. Yeah, and, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Jay, thank you for coming, brother. No Cheers. No problem. Now you get your water over there. Yeah. <laughs> I got myself a Surfside. There you go. For a surfer. There you go. No pun intended. <laughs> Easy. So I, I was brought to your story, yeah. brought attention to your story. Through our good friend Bill Dore, mm-hmm. great guy over at Hatteras. Good buddy of mine. Um, he said, Jason's a, a, an awesome surfer, mm-hmm. lifeguard out at the North Shore. He's got a great non for profit, also been a great entrepreneur. He's involved in these wave pools, mm-hmm. guys moving and shaking. Um, Mighty nice of him. Yeah, <laughs> it was super complimentary. That's cool. You know, I'll be the judge of that after yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, see, see if uh, he's on the money or not. And uh, he said you had a, a, a traumatic situation happen in your life. Your your son was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. um, at three years old. Yep, and just turned three. You guys made the right decision and got to the best hospital on the East Coast in the world, yep. Sloan Kettering. And uh, you guys were in the Ronald McDonald House for five months. About that, yep, yep, yeah. This, like, July was about five months almost, yeah. So yeah. you were uh, forced to pick up your life your lifestyle, your work. Mm-hmm. You're also working and operating a wave pool out there in Hawaii, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as well as in Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Yeah. Palm Springs. Palm Springs. And uh, obviously, we're forced to change your life mm-hmm. up. Yep. And you're still an entrepreneur by heart. You've done a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, your lifeguard mm-hmm. business has been very successful out there in mm-hmm. Hawaii. And now you're looking to bring a lot of your knowledge mm-hmm. and IP here back to Jersey, mm-hmm. where you're originally from. Yep. You're a Jersey native. Yep. So you embody everything Fireside's about. So That's for cool. your friends who are going to watch this, it's about turning around and helping the next guy or girl yep. online or somebody who's struggling. And uh, obviously, it's your turn. We want to try to shed some light on you, your son's situation. Sure, sure. As well as everything that you are about. So yeah, kick us off with your story a little bit. Well, 
with my son, it's 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 like one of those things that it's like um, in a moment's notice. There was like there's nothing to prepare for. He was perfectly healthy one day, and he had a uh, a slight little slip and fall. We were coming back from jujitsu, landed on his bottom. Nothing even to even really remotely like put in the back of your head and note it. But then he was walking on the beach and he was complaining to my wife about his legs. And then that night he woke up in excruciating pain. And from that day, he couldn't walk. And it was just like super healthy to what's going on. And still like no physical sign where you'd think anything would really be wrong except for this new pain. And long story short, after a bunch of misdiagnoses, just because of Occam's razor, trying to go with the simplest answer from synovitis to this and that, he got a preliminary uh, diagnosis about three weeks in of coming in and out of the ER room with uh, stage four neuroblastoma, uh, 85% of his bone marrow metastasized. So it was high risk. Um, they have like an XY matrix to consider it high risk. He was high risk. And at the time I had just resigned from a 15 year career and I was transitioning to the corporate world as a director for the surf pools. So my insurance hadn't kicked in yet from my old to my new. So. I left my job February 15th, no insurance, just Cobra, waiting, 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 getting denied to go into Sloan. And then just by the grace of God and last minute heroics, we were able to switch my wife off one insurance, get him on my new insurance, and then get on a plane basically a day later to Sloan, April 4th. And we landed at JFK and then four boxes, shut down our house and just left Hawaii after 20 years. Yep. That's that's crazy. And what what happened to the businesses? Were you just like, hey, you know, you know, close yeah. the doors and yeah. Well, I just left, like I said, one career, um, and it was a big decision because I only had roughly ten years left to retirement. Um, you know, just turned forty two on Monday, so it's pretty far along in a career. I had always been an entrepreneur. I always had businesses as well, but that was my mainstay. And I switched for a corporate role with the Waikai Lagoon, and uh, fortunately. It was like a decision that came out of nowhere, opportunity that came out of nowhere. I was working the Eddie I. Cow event, which is a famous big wave event, um, working water safety and so on and so forth, and got an offer the next day. I thought about it, and it was kind of weird. I was like, I love lifeguarding. It's my passion, but I felt like, what else am I going to do? I just got invited to be water safety at the biggest contest in history with the biggest surf in history. Like... I can't really hit that pinnacle. And sometimes when you like, you go like, where do you go? Like, there's going to be like a, I was like, you know what? Try something new. Could try to try to climb a different mountain. This is corporate. It's a little different, but it is in surf and why not give it a shot. And then biggest decision of my life. And then the next day, another biggest decision of my life, like within 10 days with my son, it's kind of, yeah, it was kind of wild to say the least. You and know? did you get to Sloan within 10 days or? Well, how? oh, less than that. Once we knew. Soon, as soon as we knew, well, we had a gap. So we knew that he had preliminary cancer February, I want to say around the 27th. And then we got a final diagnosis. There was a gap on March 10th, but we still were like, does he have neuroblastoma? We don't know. Cause it's a preliminary, you know, MIBG test. Uh, and it's like not hundred percent bone marrow. Then it, when it came back confirmed, then it was just a 10 day rush to figure out the insurance. And then as soon as it hit, we were out. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously I'm working for them. They're like, okay, come back two weeks later, leave, come back two weeks later. And then they were nice enough to figure out how I can remotely keep, continue my, doing my job. Yeah. yeah. So you've, uh, to say the least, you've been through it the last yeah. nine yeah. months. Yeah. It's been a big change in your life. 
Uh, Fireside, the Fireside's ecosystem will mm -hmm. definitely support any way that they can. I want to dive a little bit deeper into mm -hmm. lifeguarding. Sure, sure. Um, I haven't talked about it at length. I told you Big Maddie that works for me. Uh, has been a long-time lifeguard. Mm -hmm. uh, it's extremely important. You talked about the high drown rate here in Jersey. Yeah, um, yeah. The last few years. Um, I see these young kids. I know they're hard workers. Mm -hmm. I know they're out there with yeah, the best yeah. intentions. Totally. But we're only as good as the people training us a lot of times. Yeah. And that's not a shot at anybody who's no, no, training currently, but we could always be better. Yeah. Um, but I think most people don't really think about that. Yeah. If you live here at the shore, you grew up here as well. You're over yep. in Manasquan. You go to the beach, there's lifeguards there, they check your badge, they make sure you're not drinking on the beach, and yeah. they monitor with a whistle and, yeah. you know, a couple boats. And canoes, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So I've never had a drowning event, knock yeah. the wood, thank God, but those people are there to save your life. Yeah. So I want you to drill down a little bit deeper on the way that you look at it. I was watching your thing yeah. on, on uh, HBO Sports. Mm -hmm. Actually, during the documentary, you actually had to go out and do a save, yep. and the guy wouldn't swim in with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk about what goes through your mind and how important it is for lifeguards to really understand that they have people's lives in their hands. Yeah, it's simply put, um, it's the easiest way for someone to conceptualize it. It doesn't matter if it's at the Jersey Shore in California or in Hawaii, or if it's a 16-year-old lifeguard or a 32-year-old vet. The parent wants the lifeguard to do the best job because if it's their child or their loved one, they want to make it back to the beach. And that could be, you know, like today they had a hurricane swell uh, and yesterday as well in Jersey. It's still August. You know what I mean? It's not even past Labor Day. Things can happen at any time and you don't want any excuses or like, oh, we had a hiring shortage and it's hard to find workers and this and that. It's like, I, I don't care. My child or my loved one is at risk because you're not up to par, so to say. So it doesn't matter where you are. It's like, the lifeguard that does the job is the most important lifeguard in the world because they're saving that person's life that day. It's not like me in Hawaii or this one and that and, or this, you know, like this stud in the Jersey Shore versus it's whoever is doing the job that day needs like a standard of training and a standard of accountability because they're the ones that have to do the rescue at that moment. And the patient's what matters, like the ego and everything. It's the patient. So, you know, uh, like what you said, simply like in my opinion, there's a very high drowning rate per capita. So you go town by town, they each have their own, you know, way of uh, style of training. And um, I don't agree with that. They, you know, have a little bit of uh, old school mentality and I get it, but I think that when it's coming uh, to something as, uh, as like sacred as saving someone's life, that it has to be in like a, an all encompassing effort to get the best training, the best methods, the best pay, whatever it may be to attract the talent to do that job. So, and, and at the North Shore, yeah. where you were part of the most elite team, and in the documentary of something that they said that I didn't think of, like, mm -hmm. I, I won't lie, they were like, listen, we're like the most elite, you know, people in the military. Like, we're going yeah. out there in some pretty heavy water, yeah. you know, large waves. It's, it's intense. You guys are using jet skis. I don't see jet skis used out here at the Jersey yeah, Shore. Yeah, the surf's different, obviously, the conditions. Um, I would say the traffic is very similar to Hawaii. Like, Jersey Shore gets packed. Um, what, very busy. We, what we do is very specific lifeguarding. Um, I would say, honestly, if you have the, you know, gumption to do it, it's actually a less, um, a less demanding focus than it is 10,000 people at the Jersey Shore. It's just an athletic skill set that you need that most don't have. So for me, surf life saving is simple because 
the body goes in the water here, the body exits there, there's currents, right? Mm -hmm. If uh, the surfer eats it here, he's gonna end up there. When it's like flat water and all these other conditions here, it's like a game of attrition because it's like their attention span. So how do you pay attention for an eight, 10 hour day? You know what I mean? Here we have like, what I do is high, high action. It's, it's, like, it's, a, it's like a passion first off. So it's easy for me to do. It's easy for any of us to do because it's, uh, it's exciting. It's the doldrums is where people drown often. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's like one of those things you could say one is more important than the other, but they're all the same to me, each style. Yeah. If you were to say one thing that has helped you save a ton of people and you obviously have right in that mm -hmm. documentary you did, um, which we'll make sure we put in a link mm -hmm. to the bio on YouTube. What is the most important thing that has helped you save all those people? Yeah, I've fortunately, I've had a very good track record. And when you look back at it, you're like, okay, maybe I got lucky, but then you just see like, well, consistencies. And I think a lot of people like my friends, they see I was a pro bodyboarder and I used to surf these really big waves and stuff. And they think I'm like this risk taker and I'm not, I'm actually extremely cautious. So like- you're Calculated. Yeah calculated it like meaning like I might surf this big wave but I've probably been looking at that spot and I had on my radar for six years before I even attempted it and people look at that as like oh how did you did, I'm not trying to gamble with my life even when I'm doing big rescues so when I say that I'm cautious or you say calculated it's um trying to live in the present but like uh, I mean live in the present but like see the future meaning like okay I've been here before. Yeah, I've been here before. And like like that rescue that you probably saw on HBO, it was like everybody was freaking out like, oh my God, this, that, and the other. And I was like, it's very kind of duck soup for me because I've been here without the stressor many a times. So it was 20 foot and it was very dangerous, but I knew the guy who wouldn't listen to me to swim in. And then when I grabbed him, wouldn't swim in with me. When he panicked, I said, well, he has a float suit. I don't, he's fine. I'm the one who's in trouble here. Like I knew that like, so what I use him is I use him as my kind of anchor point because he was coming up. So I just basically seatbelted him like a jujitsu grip. And when that 15 foot shore break wave came, I was like, Hey, you're coming up. I'm holding on. And that's, that's basically what we did. And then I just swam him out and it was like, I've been here before. All I need to uh, do is relax and I'm going to be fine. My job is basically to keep that guy from panicking. Like yeah. that's my role, like you know, the jet ski show up and yeah, yeah. So the jet ski rescue that they showed us a quick timeline. That was like, close to 20 minutes oh damn because when you have these big surf days there the jet skis could be all over they're not going to be where you need them so you got to do that rescue on your own so he would have been in in about a minute's time but because he got so scared and panicked i had to take him the hard way out and around so now, are you frustrated yeah. it looks like you had some words with him as he yeah got yeah yeah i was i totally was because there's a difference he willingly got himself into that position and was hard to say he's clueless because he had all the gear to say that he didn't know that he was above his pay grade, right? So we have no like license to surf big waves and we can't like check anybody's like, uh, you know, like skill set card. So when somebody does something like that and they make bad judgment calls that put our lives in danger, I'm just like, you're a grown, grown man putting other grown men in danger, you're out in my book. Yeah. If it's a child and the parent, you know, makes a mistake to leave them, uh, you know, in the, in, the court, in the pathway of a riptide or something, like that child didn't know, like, no problem. When you're an adult and you're, and you're doing stupid moves that you should be aware of, then, then I have to kind of tell you, like, hey, cut, cut the nonsense. You know? I, I think that's something that most of us don't think about. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're out here for messing around, right? There, a lot of times they don't want drinking up on the beach. Yeah. Last thing you want is some people who are wasted. 
in the waves. Totally. You hear about drowning. It's usually late it's a lot night. Of, a lot of time, yeah. yeah. Totally. Drinking, they're, they're unable to swim. They get mm-hmm. caught in the riptide. And most of us don't realize just let it pull you out and then go, yep. you know, relax. But in that situation, most who have not been in before panic. Yeah, so with lifeguarding here, it's a little bit different. And um, so what I say, that the issue in my mind is they're too whistle heavy. And that whistle gets drowned out in like noise. You know what I mean? They're like... Who is he whistling at? He's yeah. been whistling for the last 45 minutes, right? What they do in Hawaii is different. It's a contact sport, meaning like it's like hearts and minds. Like you're going to go out there and say like, hey, my name's Jason. Just checking in, you know, just letting you know you're putting your kids right near a riptide. Probably not the best idea. You know, have way better time down the beach over there. Like not offensive. I don't want you to leave. I just think you're going to have way better time. Like it's it's touch and base. It's PR. Mm-hmm. And then it's education. Like, oh, now they know not to go there. So the next time they come to the beach, they don't do the same behavior. Here they just arbitrarily whistle and they don't educate that there's bad behavior going on and then bad behavior stays after the lifeguards go off duties. So even if you have like a successful day and then, you know, the tower drops or the stand drops, 10 minutes later, their education is in there. They're they're in the same position they were. There's just no stopgap. They're done. They're going to drown. Whereas you could just tell them, don't swim near the jetty, don't swim near the rip, stay between these parameters. If you see, uh, like simply put, is like if you see footprints, that means the water and the high tide's not there. So it's a safe spot. You start you start seeing flat sand, you're like, kids shouldn't be there if they're surf. Mm-hmm. It's little things that they could just take away once. I remember when the lifeguard said, and then it's it's a done deal. They, they, they're lifeguarding themselves. So let's just say someone hears this podcast mm-hmm. or watches it on YouTube. Where can they find you? Uh, me... Instagram, um, it's probably the easiest these days. It's uh, bits, B-I-T-Z underscore N pieces. Uh, my nonprofit is neveroffduty.org. That's like um, my passion project to help at-risk youth, get them through first responder programs for free, uh, give them scholarships to fire sciences or EMT, lifeguard, whatever may have you. Um, and then, and real quick, you did a lot of that yeah. at, at youth risk out in Hawaii, that yes. was a very successful yeah. program. Yeah, uh, Lifeguarding right and firefighting. Yeah, right? uh, mostly lifeguarding. What we do is because I'm an instructor trainer for the Red Cross and I have other instructors under me, we would go up to EMR and then, uh, <laughs> so lifeguard EMR. And if they want to go past EMR, which is emergency medical response, we would give them uh, like a scholarship to go do fire sciences, like the next level of, because the, the one thing in Hawaii that's different than everywhere else is lifeguarding is actually like a civil servant job. Mm-hmm. It's not that way, the Jersey Shore. So they actually could be a first responder in lifeguarding versus EMT or fire through our program. But if they choose to go, oh, I want to go fire, then we would help them out as well. And locally you've connected with the Covenant House. Yeah, so we had a meeting with them for one of their benefits and I would like to foresee for next year using them as an incubator for any uh, kid that needs uh, work training, free free work program, like a, just like a, an incubator to get them into first response and get them through free Red Cross lifeguarding and start working with like, hey, so this uh, hotel in Asbury has a pool, they need a lifeguard entry level first responder job and then build from there, that kind of thing. That's great stuff. Yeah. They can find you right on that website. Yeah, neveroffduty.org. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So talk about your, I would call it boogie boarding, professional career bodyboarding yeah how, how did that come about well yeah it's, it's it's so funny it's like you know you look at your life at like 10 year chunks it's almost like that was my 20s like so it's like i gotta like go reframe. back frame so i grew up here uh, i grew up all over new jersey but i ended up in manasquan for high school um i always came like so when i was living in red bank and in lincroft i would go to belmar um and then my mom actually 
when she was uh, young, she like grew up in Manasquan above the Osprey. She was a teacher in the area. So that's how she's like always wanted to move back to Manasquan. When I moved back to Manasquan, it was really easy access to go surf uh, because you could ride your bike to the beach. So I would grew up surfing here, moved here when I was 12 turning 13, and then just surfed all through high school, competed and started winning and getting into contests. And then moving out to Hawaii and that type of stuff. Did that take you around the world, those contests? Yeah, yeah, multiple times, yeah. What so, was your favorite spot you've been? Probably Tahiti is my favorite spot in the world in general. Why? Um, it's what Hawaii used to be, so to say. It's not commercialized. It's um, just locals, the salt of the earth, sweetest people, and the best waves in the world. Um, I like the Philippines a lot, too. The waves are really great there. Indonesia's fun. But so I Bill's think going, right? Bill's going to Indonesia. He's going to Mentawise, yeah. 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 It's a cool spot. Yeah. It's pretty remote. It's in Padang. Yeah. Good waves though. Where's your favorite Jersey surf spot? Right Aaron Point, Jenkinson's. I'm a Manasquan boy, but I would used to ride my bike to the inlet and then just uh, park my bike, jump in the inlet and then follow swim the across. barges out. Yeah. And just swim across. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, a lot of a lot of I have a lot of surf buddies. I've never been into surfing yeah. myself. Yeah. Um you know, they're like Jersey's super underrated. Yeah, yeah, for, it for is. surfing. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what would you say makes Jersey so cool when it comes to surfing? Uh, well, Jersey guys will never admit that they weren't the best at something. So it's like we got <laughs> to have good waves, too. So we just like to brag about it. But we do. It's just it's like uh, the thing about Jersey is funny is like I look at it like scarcity is value. When the waves come, everybody drops everything because yeah, they're they so out. valuable. Like so yesterday, like I surfed six hours. I was like. My birthday was on Monday. I was like, I'm going to paint today. I'm going to take care of the kids tomorrow and bring them to the water park. And then Wednesday when the waves come, that's my day. And then I just, so I like worked it out so I could surf for like six hours. Yeah, everybody was out. Bill, yeah, all those yeah, guys. Everybody, yeah, everybody. Yeah. You're not going to miss a, like a hurricane swell in August in New Jersey. It's not happening. How were, how were the waves? It was good. It was like, a, like an eight out of 10 almost. Yeah, it was actually really good, surprisingly. Yeah. Now, obviously, Hawaii, especially the mm-hmm. North Shore, you have that famous pipeline out there mm-hmm. that you see on a bunch of different, you know, YouTubes and documentaries yeah. and social media. You know, explain the main difference from there to here. Obviously, the waves are, are yeah, much bigger. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Pacific Ocean just lends itself to having the most power of any spot. So especially where Hawaii is situated, it just gets slammed by the Aleutians, I should say. should more like this on a weather map, though, from Japan these giant storms um, that just push so much swell. The other thing is the reef is different there. So the energy is coming from way longer distance. Like this is a ground swell the last two days from a hurricane, but normally like the nor'easters, it's called fetch, but it's just short period waves, meaning like that chattery wind, the waves are coming localized. There they're coming from a thousand plus miles away. So they have this like steamroll energy. just is like doesn't stop. So it's just the intensity. Like we're here you'll get like maybe 30 waves in an hour. You might only get 10 waves there of substance in an hour, but they're gigantic and all the energy's built up. So it's just, it's just the two different versions of how the storms build East Coast versus the Pacific. Yeah. And Hawaii is just all that energy running into the most perfect shallow reef that you could possibly you know, imagine. It's, it's like harder than this. It's like uh, it's you know, aged lava rock, jagged lava rock. So that you're surfing over totally different criteria yeah like how many people get slammed into that at the bottom yeah. in, in hawaii a lot so yeah so i had a nickname i was like it was like the black cloud howley because like stuff would just happen while i was around and i got a lot of action so i got a lot of experience especially at pipe and i've had over 15 cases of pipe that were near deaths and it just happened to be off duty or on duty 
And that wave is like a wave that connects every surfer because if you're a surfer, you want to surf pipe at one point. It'd be like, I want to play in the Super Bowl. If I was in the NFL, I want to get that chance, you know? Of course. And so, but what happens is in that road to glory, people, you know, lose their life or get close to it. And luckily... It's like climbing climb Mount the, Everest yeah, or something. So out of all the cases, 14 of them survived. One guy was DOA on arrival. For you? Off duty, yeah. He was just gone. He hit his head um looked like somebody hit him with a spike baseball bat gone did everything we could like and i was actually looking for my wife after a big set that came through she used to surf with me when i was big and i just pulled him up with a friend by his leg rope i was off duty got him into the beach and it was like it's funny because i remember that one all the other ones are like oh yeah a blur of success of people popping out but that yeah. one was heavy yeah traumatic yeah, yeah it's traumatic yeah how many deaths would you say per year happen due to drowning in, in the ocean in the u.s Oh, uh, the statistic, it's, it's a little bit too high. It's a couple hundred from what I know. It's like really? a lot, yeah. It's, it's an it's epidemic. Still, it's still... Yeah, I guess, but it's preventable. Yeah. So, and I could be, or there could be more, you know what I mean? But I, I just, I know it's not that little because I was doing something for, before my son, oddly enough, I got recruited from the State Department to go train lifeguarding as a sports envoy. Um, they hit me up to go to Sri Lanka and Barbados and both trips got postponed or canceled because what more important, obvious thing with my son, but, um, they were having a massive drowning problem in, uh, Sri Lanka because it's like a surf tourist destination mm-hmm. now in, in, in India and like the Indonesia area, um, just under India, but it's like drowning's a problem. Like there's like, so it's, and since it's preventable, it's one of those weird ones. It's like, if you just change the, like education on it, it, less rescues there's very few mm. rescues in that point so, so i want to i want to jump over yeah, to the surf pool and you know you're looking to you know you, you put together some deck sheets we don't want to say too yeah, much too much yeah yeah but you, you've obviously worked out in palm springs mm-hmm. you worked out in hawaii with yep. another group and uh you're looking to bring that back here to the east coast yeah so i don't know if it's my adhd or just my constant trying to be an entrepreneur but since i was in this field as soon as I got here, I started talking with people because everybody's, it's a space race. I'm just going to be honest about it. Everybody wants to build one, better the technology. How do we make the money over this and that? But until you actually do it, you don't understand the business. And now I'm with one property full-time. I've consulted on safety on another. And then this is my hometown. And I think I mentioned this before. It's a very simple like way to look at things. Is scarcity is value. New Jersey has a lot of surfers and very little surf. It has great waves. It just has very little opportunity for waves. Mm. So if you have a demographic with like 14,000 surfers all chafing out the bit to either travel or, or surf every day they can, this is the region and this is, and this is my business. This is what I've been working on for the last three, four years um, as first as a pet project and then moving it into like more standardizing the safety, but then actually learning the launch side of the business and all like the CapEx and all like what goes into it as like the construction and that. I'm like, we yeah, should I want to talk about that a little bit. We so should, let's just we say should do one here. Like, and I'm, that's, I want to do it. So an investor may be watching us. We have some people never who, know, have, who yeah. have put together deals yeah. off the pot, the fireside, the pit, my coaching group. What does something like that cost to build? Yeah. So depends on your region, depends on your contractor here. Yeah. In Jersey, I'd probably say 60 to 80 million dollars to finish it yeah mm. and it's about a big nut. yeah it's a big one but when you think about the demographic that there's fourteen thousand surfers in monmouth county alone that are all affluent surfers that can afford it it's a good idea it's a yeah. really good idea so and, what is like is yeah. that a, is that a subscription model it all depends so like the way they do it in hawaii it's a mix of that so the one that we run there is 
you know, the daily driver that comes in after, you know, uh, their work day and just wants to go have a dinner and surf for like a half hour and they pay a drop-in fee and then there's membership model too. And then there's all programming and things like that too. It all really depends on the technology because they all work. You know, we were talking about the waves with the intervals. It's the same thing when you build a technology. Some has short period and not as intense and some has long period and bigger waves. Some have the sheet waves, which is like a technology that's in Hawaii. So it's a constant like river wave. It all really is like a, dependent on what you want to build. For, it's mm-hmm. like you got to build the product to your audience so you see what's, what works best. I got a few more questions. We've got to take a quick break. Yeah, and no then we'll problem. jump back into this. Sure, sure. And then we're going to bring us into our new segment, our new format. I want to talk about a couple trending topics. Okay. I want to make sure I touch base on Maui. Cool. Especially with you. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. Cool. Taking a quick break in the podcast, I want to talk about the Pit 2.0. What is the Pit 2.0? It's made up of a huge network of people across all different industries that are solving problems, creating solutions, and also bringing together a lot of marketing and sales ideas. If you want to get into a pit group like this, it's very inexpensive, $147 a month. If you want to learn more about it, check out the links and the information below. So jumping back in, Mm -hmm. you know, talk a little bit further on the surf pools. Mm -hmm. So this person comes in, they Mm -hmm. want a monthly subscription. Sure. So it's just like me signing up to the gym. Yep, it would be like an Atlanta club. Yeah, what, 150 bucks a month, 250 bucks a month? Yeah, I think probably depending on the technology that you launch, your footprint, like what you're providing, it's probably gonna be like a 350. Maybe like for big wigs, a 550 and they get like a, um, you know, maybe like a private room with like a sauna and ice bath, that kind of thing, like a, like a concierge, like a so you private have a, times. A, you have other kind of additional amenities on the exactly. property. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally, yeah. It's Cold plunge, sauna, yeah, a gym. That kind of thing. Yeah, a gym, that's what, that would be a smart move. I haven't seen it yet in this industry, but they're like gearing towards that because Oh, any wave pool, it's an attraction, and it's what you build around it ancillary. Fusion Gyms, Tony. You need to meet Tony. Okay. Look up Fusion Gyms. Yeah. That guy's... Same type of principle kind of thing. Like, yeah. He's buying malls, and yeah. he wants to do... Yeah, and so that's the thing about a wave pool is, like, yes, it can be profitable. You know, it's just a matrix of... It's like a hotel. Like, every hour that it's filled, you're making money. Every hour it's not, you're not. Then kilowatt hours, and it's just a matrix. So you know how to make money on that. But what it brings around it you know, the, the complexes, the F and B, the front end stuff that all connects. That's the thing. It's like coming to the beach, like, but now you have it, you know, 365. Mm-hmm. So it's entertaining for some people to go watch really high level surfing. And then it's really like a stress reliever and benefit to the surfer that goes three weeks between drinks, so to say, without waves. I think you create a community around it. You do. Yeah, totally. Right? You know, the, the guys in Hawaii at the Waikai Lagoon at, um, at, at the, uh, the lineup, the one that um, I work at, it's so cool. So I created this thing called Uncle's Palhana. Uncle's like, that's what the Palhana means, like after work, right? Mm-hmm. They all go after work, 5.30, 6 o'clock. They all surf with each other, have a group thing. They get a discount price and they're, they're scoring. And then they go have a beer and have yeah. their dinner. They're back home by 7.30. And they didn't miss the surf session. Like the thing that we have a problem with. And they spent 150 bucks on dinner. Like say like if Bill missed the waves yesterday, he'd be thinking about it for a month. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, like they, they, they can't get out of work. There's, there's and and they lose it because they, it's the surf happens when it happens. But now you go at 630 at night and still get barreled. It's like a whole different ball game. Yeah. Yeah. I know the American dream mall put in the indoor snowboarding. Yeah. They're killing it up there. Yeah. 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 That's Will Scudin's one. It's it's rad too. Like it's pretty cool. I was just there two days ago. The wave pool was uh, just part of the water park. They weren't running at the time, but I took my daughter to the the water park. That was she asked me all summer long How ago. 
it was great, but I was working on like uh, four hours of sleep because I got in from Palm Springs the night before. So I was like a zombie. Just it was like it was my birthday, but I really wanted to see the kids happy. Yeah, and James was like doing great. So we went and checked out uh, them up there. Actually, Will's place. He's a saint. He gave my wife a couple free sessions when we first came over. And it's like the guy is such a good dude. And he's just he's because like surfing's mental health. Right. So. Yeah. We came down from New York, went to Rutherford, checked out his place. It's like, it's such a treat. It's really yeah, cool. I, I have not been inside that. I have yeah, a bunch cool. of buddies yeah. who have been. Yeah. I got to get up there. Take yeah, and they, got the, and they got the like snowboard mountain right next door. Yeah. It's a sick complex, yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I want to bring some attention and light to some of the charities, either nationally or mm-hmm. in Hawaii or here locally, sure. that have been able to help you and your family. Live Like a Unicorn is something mm-hmm. that we support heavily they're great uh emma her entire team is amazing um if you haven't checked out her podcast she was on fireside as well oh cool um talk about somebody that has took her pain and turned it into power yep yep, Um, yeah every day she she lives in how do i help more families yep we talk about the nih and Mm -hmm. and all the funding that or the lack thereof funding that goes to For pediatric cancer. Yeah. It's like, what, 2% you CDC and that. Yeah, well, it's four total, but um, it's mostly towards leukemia from what I've researched just because it's it's the most common and it's the most curable. It's like a 99% cure rate. So it seems like, you know, that's where the money's been. Maybe it'll change one day, but right now, like, what James has and what a lot of like you know like the neuroblastomas the you know the Hodgkin's lymphomas there's not that much going on outside of the hospital it's yeah. a lot of private you know research that does it and you up and moved your life you, yeah you, yeah you just recently purchased a home over here mm-hmm. yep I was but, fortunate yeah after after five months like just we had to rip the band-aid off and get up get I need some place for James to be able to heal you know what yeah. I mean like Ron McDonald House is amazing at what they do but we just needed to get in a rhythm of like normalcy after the five months. They're like without them, though, none of these families could. How are you going to come over to New York and live on the Upper East Side and go to Sloan Kettering out of pocket? Like it doesn't matter. It's going to yeah. be tough. Yeah. And I want you to talk about Sloan. Sloan helped save my father-in-law's life. Amazing. Sloan's amazing, amazing place. Yeah. They've been great mm-hmm. for James and the family. Totally. The, the, the nurses are battle tested. They're like, it's like I, I see it with one child and they see it every day. And I really had to like take a step back, especially because he's in this uh, thing called 3F8 now. And it's a amazing, um, it's an amazing finding what they did to get to this drug. But the first people that did this with their children, they are like warriors because they know what's going to happen. And I know what's going to happen. And it's still like bafflingly hard to face. And it's, it's a very painful procedure. But, like, to be the ones who started this program, it's like, just if you research what this 3FA thing is, it's amazing because what they had to go through to get having, like, a, from a 30 to a 70% survival rate, it's, like, it's... That's crazy. Yeah, these guys deserve badges of honor. And the nurses, like, oof. Nurses like, are special in, in every yes, hospital. Yeah, it's, totally, yeah. There's a, yeah. And a lot of them come from, like, pediatric uh, cardiology, like maybe CHOP mm-hmm. or another big wig one. A good NICU, Jersey Shore And then they go to this because they need to be ready for that, like, high-intensity cases. And they're amazing. Like, I can't yeah. say enough. Yeah, nurses just yeah. in general are yeah. absolutely the best. Yeah, totally. I'm sure in Sloan, totally. I'm sure they have the yeah, best. Exactly. The best. Yeah, exactly, yeah. What are some of the other charities or foundations that you're working with here locally in Jersey? So it's a weird so Ashley Lauren has been amazing they came out of nowhere too so both Live Like a Unicorn and Ashley Lauren they've helped us out they actually got James a playground recently when we were up at Sloan I was looking for a used one I was going to like rent a flatbed and just put it back together and stuff and just one showed up and I was Mm -hmm. like amazing so 
both them and then like live like a unicorn when we were trying to get our car over here and figure it out because you know we we're moving our whole life we're like everything's already back there we already have a life let's try to ship us what we can they helped us out and got us settled and things like that little things just major like logistics and some like funding stuff that we just you know we were my wife took a leave of absence everything was just going at us fast right um so just amazing stuff and then the band of parents is the one that i'm choosing choosing to like actually help fundraise because they put all their funds into researching and they're the ones who found the 3f8 and without the 3f8 the nexinamide which is fda approved now it's like the percentages just drop right off a cliff and they they basically just got with a doctor at sloan and figured out how to get uh research funding so how do our viewers get yeah like that? reach so ashley lauren live like a unicorn band of parents if you got expendable income i'm giving it to them you know, even even the Ronald McDonald House, like it's literally impossible to do this without help. And I'm a very like, I'm not like egocentric. I'm just have pride of like, I want to be self self sustaining. It is absolutely impossible. You're gonna have to as soon as somebody puts their hand up to help you, see what they can do if you're in this situation because your wife's going to need help. You're going to need help. Your kids are going to need resources. They're going to different schools. They're getting pulled out of school. There's there's just all this logistic heavy stuff. It's just, and it's all while regular life's going on. You're gonna need help, so don't even blink. As soon as you're coming to a situation where you hear something of my nature that we're dealing with, you know, any type of childhood illness, take the help, man. It's like, it's it just takes that little bit more stress off your back. Yeah, well, Fireside's gonna be here to support yeah. you guys however we can. Yeah, totally. Try to get some additional eyes and yeah. maybe funding over to those programs. Yeah. Also, uh, just wanted to, I, don't wanna, uh, I just want to bring them up for Maui, then they also helped us out. So the Lauhai, um, L-A-H-U-I dot org, they're helping Maui right now, but without us even mentioning it, we were just packing to get into Hawaii. They started doing fundraisers for us to get our like same thing, like cars over, just logistics without even like, on their own and I just they're a great group and now they're funding the families direct in Maui so good like all around community program back in Hawaii because you got to remember too like I was in that Hawaii community for almost 20 years so that was home and then I moved to my 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 you know like my uh you know my birthright jersey and every this community just picked up out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and both communities like they converged to help me without ever saying hey guys anybody got ideas they just start doing stuff, and it's like absolutely baffling. I get I chills. America is a pretty special place. It right? is. It's totally not what is. the media tells us. It totally, it totally is, and that's. It's not a summation of some bureaucracy. It's your neighborhoods. It's your people. It's your community. That's what America is. That's yeah. what I try to tell people too. It's like, don't even pay it any mind because that's not what's going on. It's what you can see, like your little, your little hooey or neighborhood that you live in. That's what's what, what really counts. And it's a great transition. I was actually yeah. going to ask you about Maui, being from Hawaii the past yeah. twenty years. Um, I mean, what's, what's going on over there? It's like, crazy. I, yeah, I used to spend two or three months a year in Maui as when I was pro um, with uh, the Kayama family and the Huta family and then the Romeros and all these other people. Like, we have a lot of close family friends there. And then uh, my one friend, Kona, he's a lifeguard. He's a jet ski operator. He just happened to leave Lahaina that morning at 7 a.m. because the winds were high. They were going to go to the beach. They got on a beach. They'd do something else. And he literally only survived because of that. And then I had another friend, and just rest in peace, uh, or my friend Kelly, her dad passed, couldn't get out. And then four lifeguards, there's actually, um, if you look in the North Shore Lifeguard Association, uh, that's another nonprofit. They have a fund for four lifeguards that lost their houses, nothing, they have nothing. Um, and then I know one guy from New Jersey, 
um, Paul Chalka is a really good friend. Uh, I'm sorry, Andrew Chalka, rather. His uh, brother lost a house in line, and they've been out there like, as long as I was on the North Shore. So they were, like, locally embedded there in the community for a long time, and their house is gone, too. So there's just, like, just directly, I know a dozen people. But And it's so yeah. sad, and it seems like there's been, like, yeah. a little bit of a lack of help, not internally in the yeah. community there, no, but just on yeah, federal yeah. level. I, and, again, I it would actually killed me that I wasn't there. Like, I have to be here for my son. But I, like, every ounce of me wants to just fly back and help with the, especially, like, doing line searches and searches, something that I could help with. Because it's like it's these people. These are people we know, like yeah. like like and parents of, of, of families and stuff like just that. Just like when Sandy hit here, but yeah, yeah I wanted exactly. to help. Yeah, so it was really rough to watch from afar. But I did get firsthand that it was a very slow rollout from any type of federal or state response. Um, mistake or malice? We'll leave that up to the viewer. How yeah, that's like it. there's like a, like a ton of conspiracies yeah, around it. That's so and tough for me to wrap my head around, I'll especially say this, when lives could, are involved. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, and exactly. And I won't go down that rabbit hole to a detail, but I will say, Hawaii is it off to the people who are in Hawaii. Do they, it is. Yeah, yeah they feel yeah, like yeah, this yeah, is strange. Exactly. But but when you with something of this nature goes on, there's a lot of questions to be asked. Regardless, especially yeah, always, when, especially when like deep stop gaps were failed like communications off before it's it's just bothersome maybe like i said i don't say malice when it could just be a mistake because i will say this about hawaii the government is extremely inept for a lot of things Mm -hmm. you know like you see hawaii in the news a lot right so if we're getting into the national news for missile alerts and like you know that are fall like just like there's a lot of mistakes or there's a lot of malice Mm-hmm. I'll let the I'll let the viewer to kind of make their own inference, but I will say this: there is a lot of just mistakes made. Like if you think about a fire and you don't do the brush and the debris, and it's on the west side of Maui where it's just baking in the sun, and there's tumbleweeds rolling down the street, and then you know, like oh, it's going to it's it's a tinderbox, mm-hmm. and so that's a maintenance issue. So yeah. they said, oh, the logs are off for six months; they weren't clearing debris. Like, well, there you go. There's one thing, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't, I don't yeah. need you to go into detail. Yeah, but yeah, no one worries. of the things that it, like it keeps surfacing back mm-hmm. when I, uh, this topic has come up is, you know, BlackRock and all these companies wanted mm. properties over there. Yeah, yeah. They've been trying to get the families out. Locals are embedded yeah, it's, there. Yeah, it's not a new thing. It's is not there a lot like, of fires in Maui? Typically, you there's say always it's dry. Fi- there's always a fire on the west side of every island. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Uh, Never of that extent. Yeah. Like, I, okay, what I'll say is this, is like, if you want to know your future, read history. Mm-hmm. So read Plague and Fire by Honolulu. And that was a fire that was a controlled burn for the plague that reached the shores of Sand Island, which is where all the cargo comes in. This is right before the Dole regime. So I'm going to get off of my, but you know, like, the date's off, but either way, right around when the Dole regime came in, right before it, about a year or so before. Now, the wind switched from trade, which is like east-northeast to Kona, and it sends the fire, this control burn, to uh, control bodies from the plague, because at the time there was a big Chinese influence, uh, sugarcane trade, so on and so forth, and they had their superstition from the religion that the body would have to go back to China for their soul. So they would just display them and keep them there until they could ship them burn a control burn to get rid of it and sterilize right wind switch it goes right up the mountain now what happens after that is is like uh and, and this is all true factual story this is uh um that that it's a historical account that book plague and fire of honolulu is that the dole regime took over right after meaning they established a cdc so to say like that stop the plague 
they stopped the fire, they created a Department of Health. That's exactly what happened. I'm not making anything up. This is years, years in the past, factual. And then a new regime came in off a tragedy, right? They owned all the land, they took over all the buildings that burnt, eminent domain, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Now, was it by malice or mistake? The history books, how you read into it, you make your decision. Now this, the vultures that are circling, they're circling, they would be circling regardless. Is it convenient? Yes. It's pretty convenient yeah, that all these it, things happen. Is it happen. done on purpose or, or is it just take advantage of a bad situation? I will say that like to that accord, malice or mistake, regardless, it's not a new practice. And it's not like they're not waiting mm -hmm. to buy cheap land in Hawaii because scarcity is value. It's the most valuable land in the world. Yep. You know what I mean? So if they can buy it at a bargain opportunity horribly, against you know the the best interests of the locals which is my priority and everybody else's priority there's friends with these people it's going to happen so it's kind of like at this point the onus is on the locals is the game of attrition is on so what's the best we, thing that people can donate to over yeah, there support just Maui. Maui, find a venmo to the family um, make sure they're you know they have obviously the first things like i know women and children first but pre there's a lot of pregnant or recent mothers that need just goods they need diapers they need things that you know just you can direct ship to them and then look for where the housings are like because there's a lot of like public public private that just gave up their farms and stuff and are housing these people but how long can they sustain that yeah. monetarily so, not long yeah not long so i would go laohai and then i heard the um the, the hawaii the hawaii community foundation seems to be another really good one um I think Red Cross and FEMA got funding. They're doing their thing. So Red Cross is another good one for disaster relief. But the ones that are like hitting directly uh, to the, the families that are trying not to leave. You know what I mean? That's the main thing. Keep them there. Keep them housed. It's going to be a heavy lift, though. Yeah. So, so keep watching it. Anytime yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, listen, this has been great. Yeah. I know you have some work and some paint to do when you get back yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. grinding. Um, we're going to bring you back. Okay, you know, cool. six months or a year from now, yep. um, whether it be the wave pool is, is yep. getting permits, yep. um, Jason's going to be healthy and back on a new track of life. Yep. Um, he'll be five years old by then, right? Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, you know, maybe you kick off some more stuff with the lifeguarding yeah. stuff. But yeah. I appreciate you. I hope this no gives problem. you some additional eyes. Welcome yeah. back to Jersey. Yeah, fun to thank chat. You yeah, thank you for your time, man. Cheers. Right on. Take care, guys. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to learn more about it, check out the links below.